We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. I want to maybe dive into a, a, a little mini-series with you on uh, the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, a few weeks ago, I think I did a study. It was probably a, a few weeks ago on the on the way that the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is a person that we need to get personal with, and we have these personal convictions, and and there really needs to be a sensitivity to the Spirit. You know, in the Book of Revelation, when the Lord was addressing the churches, uh, He said the same to the thing to them over and over and over again. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And for every church, it was a little different. For every church, it was like, hey, the Holy Spirit would say, that's something that's wrong in your life. This is what you need to do to get right. Out of the seven churches, five were off. Two were right on. The the faithful church in Philadelphia, they were good. And then the church in Smyrna, they were good. Um, but what we find, you guys, in looking at the different churches is that the Holy Spirit, He just gets so personal with us. And so, you know, um, for us as Christians, uh, I think it's important for us to have an ear to hear. In other words, like, you know, you know how it is when you're, when you're hearing words, but it's not penetrating. God is trying to speak to you, but you're not listening. That That's what happens when we ignore the Holy Spirit. And so... I want God to do work in my life. I've been blessed. Uh, lately, I've been teaching a class at the Cary Chapel Golden Springs Bible College, and it's been on the Holy Spirit. And I, and I really like sense, I feel, I believe, I'm, I'm just convinced that the Lord is working in me because I need the work. I don't know about you. Maybe you feel like you're in pretty good shape, but I'm just messed up. And a lot of times the Lord allows us to teach things because he knows we need those things, not because we know it all, but because we need to know more. And so what I want to do tonight is just kind of share a little bit of one of those classes. I can't share uh, the whole thing with you, but uh, tonight I want to talk to you about the in, indwelling of the Spirit. I don't know if you ever think about you know, what's inside of you. Do you guys ever think about what's inside of you? Um, I don't know. You stop and think about like uh, all the blood you have inside of you. I know that's kind of gory, but all of us have a, a one and a half pounds of blood. Our heart beats that blood a hundred thousand times a day. That heart beats, boom, 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 and it it beats it like just crazy, man. And, and what we find is that's going on inside of us. Or when you think of the the vessels, the capillaries that 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 blood filled oxygen travels it's 60,000 miles of capillary all that's inside of us i won't talk about the fat cuz i know that's a little bit different you know but i mean our intestines you guys know we have 25 feet of intestines inside of us 20 feet of the small intestines intestines that's an inch in diameter 5 feet in the big one that's 3 inches in in diameter you know you think of the the water that you have inside of you do you guys know that you're 70% water right around there and so for someone like me, I have, uh, I don't know, about 14 gallons of water inside of me. I mean, I think my, 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 it comes out to about 105 pounds of water. 
that's me. That's what I, I carry around every day. Uh, they say that when you're born, you have 270 bones. Uh, by the time you're an adult, it comes down to about maybe 205. And, and, uh, but it, for me, it's 22 pounds of bones inside of me. You know? And you can go on and on about the 100 billion neurons in your brains or the 37.2 trillion cells that you're made of inside of you. Do you ever think about that? You're like, no, Manny, I never think about that. <laughs> you know, but it's a trip when you think about what's inside of you. But then, do you ever think about the fact that the Holy Spirit is inside of you? I mean, when is the last time you ever sat down and you turned the TV off or whatever, you just got down on your knees and you just started thinking, pondering, meditating, contemplating the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And, and not only that, that's just like a wow thing. Like, wow, the Holy Spirit lives in me. Wow. But why? Why does the Holy Spirit live inside of you? And, and, and what, what difference does it make to you anyways? You know, I mean, we know God's omnipresent. God is everywhere at all times. And so is it significant that he lives within me? Does that make any difference? Oh, Absolutely. Because when the Holy Spirit lives inside of a person as a Christian, it's the special presence of God. It's not just the omnipresence of God, although that's pretty amazing. There's something now about the special presence of God that takes up residence within the believer and in the, in the congregation and even in the church universally. And so uh, tonight I want to go over a few things. Hopefully they'll be helpful because at the end of the day, this is one thing I've learned. We know we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the reason they're called the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit is because of the way that we can understand them. The Father is our Father. He will take care of you. He will protect you. He will watch over you. He is your daddy. He is your papa. He is your father. Maybe you didn't have one growing up, but you do now. See, and Jesus, he's the son, and to us, he's our brother, he's our savior. But what we see there, what God wants to emphasize is their relationship, really, the father-son relationship, that the father would send the son to die for us, his only begotten son to die for us. It communicates a message of love that he could give his son and so we relate to God in this fashion. But then there's the Holy Spirit. Why is he called the Holy Spirit? I mean, the Father's Spirit. Why isn't he called the Holy Spirit? Well, it's because he has his function as the highest in office. And he is our Father, right? And, and yet the Holy Spirit, the reason he's called the Holy Spirit is because he makes us holy. See, that's what God's doing in, in your life. God had, first of all, sought you out as a bride to become a believer in Christ. He's come to convince the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. He comes and brings a bride. He gathers the bride for Christ. He makes you holy just as a believer. But then as a believer, now he's working on you and he's making you holy. What he's doing is not making you a Pharisee. He's making you more and more like Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. That's what he wants to do. But the question is, are we sensitive to him? Are we cooperating with him? Are we yielding to him? Part of it is, yes, how much of the Holy Spirit do I have? There is a doctrinal truth to that. But uh, a large part of it is how much of me does he have? 
And so it really is worthwhile to learn about the Holy Spirit. Um, not that we would then focus on Him and, you know, get weird, but that we would know more of God. And what we'll see is that in understanding more of the Holy Spirit, then we're going to learn how more to surrender to the Lord so that He can work in us the way that He wants to. I'm telling you this, man. You guys might not believe me or not, but He wants you to walk on water. He wants you to move mountains. He can change the world, the lost, to be found. He can do things like that through us. And so tonight, uh, I want to begin, first of all, with the promise. And we'll look at three main points, and then each one will be kind of divided up a little bit. But first of all, the, the promise. In Ezekiel chapter 36, there's this prophecy here. It's a promise. In verse 27, God says, I will put my spirit within you. There it is. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. You see, God says, I promise, I'm going to put my spirit within you. Who is he talking to? He's talking to Israel. He's talking to God's people. When is he talking? He's talking while they're in captivity. He's talking to them when they're in Babylon. He's talking to them really in a time where maybe they thought they're like existence was over, where there was like, where they were like being overwhelmed perhaps with hopelessness. You know, I mean, they had been birthed by God. God brought them out of Egypt. God chose Abraham. God did some amazing things through the judges and the kings. It was absolutely amazing through David and Solomon. You know, and then they, they messed up. They sinned. They went their own way. And then they were carried away, first the northern kingdom to Assyria, then both of them to Babylon. And man, they probably thought it was over. But God gave them a promise. And he said, you know what, you might think that your life is all messed up, and you might think it's over, but I want to give you a promise. I want to give you a promise, Israel. I am going to put my spirit within you. You know, and it's a beautiful promise uh, uh, for me when I was thinking about that. I was thinking, Lord, there's probably a lot of people that, that in the church, myself included, where, you know, a lot of times we feel like maybe we messed up or we've gone too far or we're beyond hope or we find ourselves in a situation that, you know, it's like we just can't see out. We can't see how. We don't know how God's going to work out this situation. And the Lord just says, Warren Wispy, he always comes back to me. We don't live by explanations we live by promises and god says this i'm going to do something special i'm going to i'm going to give you my spirit it's going to be a new covenant and i'm going to live within you see up to that point when you read the old testament the holy spirit would only come upon selected believers for, for special times of service for a temporary amount of time but then he would go it was like boom he was gone boom he was gone and that was the Old Testament. But the New Testament or the New Covenant, God says, I'm going to give you my spirit and I promise you, I'm going to live inside of you. I'm going to live inside of you. You see, Ezekiel prophesied that the spirit would be within God's people, not just upon them. And the church was born into such a covenant. Maybe you're here today and you're like, but Manny, I'm kind of like, 
I'm kind of a little carnal. I'm a little, you know, messed up, man. I, 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 okay, let me just ask you a question. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? If you're not a Christian, then I beg you, today, let today be the day of salvation. Let today be the day that you realize how much God loves you. I mean, it's very simple. It's like God says, will you marry me? All you got to do is say yes. You let go of your other lovers, so to speak, your, your sins that are all messing you up anyways. And you just say yes to Jesus. He died for you on the cross. He rose again. You know, let today be the day of salvation. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord. Maybe someone invited you. Maybe you just kind of hopped in here. I don't know, you're at the lolly cup and you got a Slurpee and you're like, hey, what's going on over there? And then you found out there's a church and you came in, you liked the music. And then, you know, it was the Lord. God, if you're not a Christian, I, God brought you here to save you so that when you die, you'll go to heaven. But if you are a Christian, it doesn't matter where you are. You might be, you know, the, the, the most awesome Christian, whatever, or, or maybe you find yourself struggling. It doesn't matter. Wherever you are in that spectrum, I want you to know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. No matter who you are as a Christian. One person said, every believer, no matter how weak and imperfect he may be, or how immature his Christian experience still has the indwelling of the Spirit. It is very evident from the first epistle to the Corinthians that the believers in Corinth were very imperfect believers. They were full of imperfection and there was gross sin among them. But nevertheless, Paul tells them that they were the temples of the Holy Spirit, even when dealing with them concerning gross immoralities. And you guys know, we're going to look at those passages later, that the Corinthians were a carnal church. But Paul told them, and he only told them, in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 6, and 2 Corinthians 6, you are the temple of God. And he told them that because it was true, and he told them that so that they would rise in power. You see... And you might find yourself struggling today and you're in Babylon and maybe you've been in Babylon for 70 years. I don't know how long you've been wandering in the wilderness. I don't know how deep your struggles are. Whatever your situation is, whatever the fire it is, whatever the trial is, God gives you a promise. You know, you might feel like you're in Babylon in, in bondage. You might feel even like God abandoned you. You know, there's a real interesting passage in John 14, if you would. Let's, let's turn there next. Because really, there's only a couple of places, it's interesting to me, where God gives the promise. In Ezekiel chapter 36, and then here, it's interesting, in John chapter 14. In John chapter 14... You guys remember the 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 the, the context here. Jesus is uh, uh, is about to die, and he's about to leave. You know, and in chapter fourteen, verse one, he said, "Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you." He says, "I go to prepare a place for you, so that we can hook up again. I'm going to come and get you, so that we can be together." 
And, and you know, I mean, here's the one that had been providing for them and, and that they had kind of given him their life. They left their business to follow him. And now he's leaving? I mean, they would, they, they, they would probably be tempted to, to, to think that's not right. You can't leave me alone. You can't abandon me. And that's why Jesus shares in John 14, here in verse 16, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. See, there's a promise. They already knew him. The Holy Spirit was already working on them. He was the Greek as para. He was with them. He was, they, they knew there was something special right here with the Holy Spirit working on them and just you know, telling them how much they needed Jesus and you know, the miracles even that he did through them. And the Holy Spirit was already there. And, and so he was with them. But now Jesus gives them the beautiful promise. He says, and he's going to be in you. I mean, it's one thing to have a friend. You go to lunch, you know, you go to whatever, the uh, Panera's, and hey, that was pretty good bread, huh? Yeah. You know, their coffee's decent because I like them. They have the honey right there, the honey hookup, and, you know, whatever. You go and, and whatever. You're your close friend, but for them to, to live with you, and, you know, that, that's different. Live with you. How about live in you? Live in you. See, that's the Holy Spirit. He lives in us. And to me, the two great promises in the Bible of the Holy Spirit living in us, to me it's just fascinating that first of all, they would be in a place where they were in Babylon in bondage, where it seemed like it was over. God says, it's not over. It's not over. In your life, I don't care what your situation is, how dire, straight it might be, how bad it is, it's not over because God is alive and He's going to come in you. And, and then when you feel like you're alone, I, a lot of times we feel that way. You're not alone. You're never alone. As a matter of fact, God doesn't just live with you. God lives in you. I don't know about you, but to me, that comforts my heart. I mean, to me, when I realize that God lives in me as a Christian, Romans 8 9, it says, You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And so, if you're a Christian, you have him, and he lives in you, whether you feel it or not. He's in you. You're never alone. You're not abandoned. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. See, in John 14, 16, and 17, Jesus indicated that following Pentecost, the Holy Spirit would begin a new ministry to believers that was unlike that of the Old Testament. The emphasis of the passage here is that the new ministry would be an indwelling in contrast to the Spirit simply being with them, and it would be permanent. You guys know this, right? That prior to conversion, the Holy Spirit is with us, convincing us of our need for Jesus convicting us of our sins, especially the sin of unbelief 
And at the moment of conversion, that, that moment that you get saved, the Holy Spirit then comes to live within us and he takes up residence within us. And so the church experienced this after Jesus died and rose again. In John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus said uh, to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them. And when he breathed on them, that's cool, huh? They received the Holy Spirit. And he lived within them. And the new covenant began later. This is just the beginning. This is, we're going to see tonight that this is awesome. This is awesome that God would live within us. We're going to see later though, even though this is awesome, it's just the beginning. Christian, I don't know how your life has been. You know, it, it shouldn't be a, a defeat. It shouldn't be a struggle. It shouldn't be a, like, what's that, that bird who said the sky was falling? What's Chicken Little, yeah. The sky is falling, the sky is falling. Some Christians are like bouncing off the walls and they're just so, you know, defeated and discouraged and depressed. And man, do you know who you are? Do you know who lives inside of you? The Holy Spirit, He lives within you. And so, you know, you're like, well, then how do I let that make a difference in my life? How do I let that, you know, change my attitude, my outlook, my heart, my, you know, character? How? And, and, you, and that's when we move to the second point. After the, the promise, the second word is, is provision. Provision. You know, although we know the theology and reality of the Spirit within the believer, we often miss the point as to the reason for the indwelling. You know, what does it mean and, and what difference does it make? You know, and so let's begin, if you would, go back to Exodus chapter 17. In verse 1, it says, Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord. And they camped in Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. And so, have you ever been in the desert without water? Anyone here? That's a crazy situation, huh? The other day, we were out of water at our house, and we don't drink tap water, even though Rich said we could. We don't. And so, you know, the wife saw, hey, you got to go get some water. We're all out. We're dry. There's no water. And so it's kind of a weird feeling, you know. So I go, and they're closed. And, oh, man, you know, got to wait until they get open. Then you get the water, and then it quenches your thirst. Here they were in the desert, no water, right? And so what ends up happening in verse 2, Therefore the people contended with Moses, and they said, Give us water that we may drink. And so Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? And so Moses cried out to the Lord, and he said, What shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel as witnesses and also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. 
And so, you know, Old Testament, kind of a trip. They, you know, they start getting mad at Moses. You brought us out here to kill us. Come on, give me a break. Who brought you out of Egypt? Was it Moses? Why is it that so many times we get mad at our leaders? Why is it so many times that we start, we want to make an issue with them? We want contentions with them. This is not a, a man thing. This is a God thing. This is God. And we shouldn't be complaining. They were complaining. But it's okay. Moses prayed and the Lord told him exactly what to do. This is what you need to do. And just real simple. Get that same rod with which you split the sea. Go over there and strike the rock. And then water will come out. And, you know, I just thought, well, that must have been pretty cool huh, to see that. I mean, wouldn't it have been cool if I didn't have water at my house and just go back and hit the rock and, you know, water comes out? Because I'll be honest with you, we're getting the change. My wife, my wife saw, hey, if you go here, you get a free five-gallon jug. And So what is that all about? Well, you guys know, huh? You guys know what that is, right? The striking of the rock is the smiting of Jesus. The Bible says explicitly in 1 Corinthians 10 that Jesus is the rock, the rock in this context. When they smote him, when they killed him, when they crucified him, then the water came. And there they were in the, in the dry wilderness where they were going to die. And the Lord provided water to satisfy their thirst. You see, when you look at the Holy Spirit, you realize, first of all, that He's a promise. He's a promise when we're feeling like we're in bondage in Babylon. He's that promise for us when we feel like we're all alone, we're abandoned. No, we're not. The promise is that He's going to live inside of us. And, and when you look at the Holy Spirit, you realize that He's a provision. You guys, I don't, you may think that you live in a, in a great place. Oh, I live in the United States of America. I mean, not, even, not only that, bro, I live in Almani, right? And you're like, hey, this dude, this ain't no wilderness. It is. It is a wilderness. Because I don't care how many Slurpees you drink or how many uh, vanilla lattes that you get over at Starbucks or, or even the, the, you know, that, you know, physical water. I don't care how many relationships you have or how many ministries you oversee, how many miracles you perform, none of those things will ever quench your thirst. See, the Lord has provided something so much more, and He's the Holy Spirit. See, one of the beautiful things about the Bible is that it speaks to us in pictorial language. And when you look at this right here, and you see the water coming out to quench their thirst in a dry land, what you realize is that's the Holy Spirit, right? He's the water in the wilderness for us, right? And it's important for us to know that. You know, uh, uh, related to this, if you would, go over to John chapter 4. And you guys remember the story of the, the Samaritan woman? You guys remember that story, how she tried it relationship after relationship after relationship? She said, well, I like this guy because he's got a Ferrari. 
right? And then that was cool for a while, but then he dropped her. And next thing, oh, I like this guy right here because he's, he's got a nice pad in Bradbury or whatever it might be, you know. And you try all the different relationships and, you know, one by one, the marriages, they just kept going down. Boom, 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 boom. Finally, the last one she saw, I'm not even going to get married. Why should I get married? It's just a piece of paper anyways. And, you know, ne- you know just bottom line is uh, she's out there getting water in the heat of the day, women were supposed to get water in the heat of the day because, you know, that's when, you know, it was hot. I know for me, in the heat of the day, that's when I take a nap, right? <laughs> they would actually do that, believe it or not. So you go early or you go a little later, but it was, she was trying to avoid people. She was trying to avoid, you know, seeing, she was embarrassed of who she was. I mean, talk about a woman at the end of her rope. And so Jesus, uh, he goes and meets her. And he just says, hey, can I have a drink of water? And she said, time out. You know, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. You're a guy, I'm a girl. We're not supposed to talk, right? And the Lord just, he just starts reaching her. And he just says, you want to know something? In John 4, 14, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. You see, the provision of the Holy Spirit means that we will never have to thirst again. I mean, you don't have to worry about going down to the corner to see if you can buy some water. You're going to have a well within you. That's what Jesus said. And you'll never thirst again. You know, the Holy Spirit within us means that we never have to thirst, that nothing is missing any longer, that we are complete in Christ. We need not look anywhere else. You know, later on in John chapter 7, if you want to turn over to verse 37, we read those beautiful words of Jesus. He says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus cried out and stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. When you look at this context right here, what you find is that they were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles and every day there was a procession of priests. They would travel from the temple to the Pool of Siloam with which they drew water and they poured it out as a libation at the altar. And so there was water everywhere. Water everywhere. But the Lord said, if you're here and you're thirsty, come to me. And I like that because, you know, we can go to church. We can get religious. We can have a hundred Bibles or a hundred Bible studies. But we can still thirst. We can still thirst. We just know that something's missing. We know that there's more. And it's because we're created to thirst. We're, we're getting like dehydrated, you know, and we're dying of dehydration and you're in the church. 
and you were raised a Christian, and you can quote the Bible passages, maybe you even teach them, but you're thirsty, what do you do? You go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. And the Lord says, if you go, you know, initially you'll get saved. And, and if you go continually and intimately and personally, and I'll tell you what, I will flood you with torrents of living water. And the beautiful thing about this passage is that it's not just there for you. It's there for others. It's the, the waters just start flowing out. It's a picture of the fruit of the Spirit, how we bear fruit for others to partake. I mean, when the Holy Spirit is flowing through your life, others will see the benefit of that. Others will be built up by you. If you just go to Jesus, then you'll take Jesus to them. And that's what we see here, the provision of the water of the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the thing that I want to, there's so much we could say here, but, you know, the thing that I want to just encourage you in and, and even admonish you in, warn you in, don't go look into the things of the world. You know, money's cool because you need money to pay the bills, but, you know, how many bills are you going to accumulate? I mean, that won't satisfy you. Um, that relationship, that maybe it's not of the Lord, but, you know, you're like, well, he's handsome, Manny, and he's buff, and he's tall, dark, and handsome, and you know, you know it's not the Lord. That won't fulfill you. And the girl, that won't fulfill you. Even your spouse. You know, thank God for our wives and husbands, but my wife will be the first to tell you, I can't fulfill her. I've learned this, and I'm a, I'm a senior pastor. That doesn't fulfill me. I thank God for the grace of my life. It's a heavy responsibility. But, you know, some people think, well, I want that position. And you get that position. That won't satisfy you. Only the Lord will. And that's why you got to get real, and that's why you got to come. You know, you got to come to Jesus. Don't look to the things that the world has to offer, you guys. Our help is within, for our helper is within. You know, Henry gave a study, was it, I don't know if it was last week, a couple of weeks ago, you know, about how, you know, we should draw from the wells of salvation. And we get the joy of the Spirit there, you know. And um, out of Jeremiah 2.13, you guys know this passage, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And so what happens a lot of times, even God's people, Jesus said, you know, Jeremiah said, my people have committed two evils. They've, they've left me. And what they've done, imagine how silly this would be, okay? You go and you get your glass and you drill a whole bunch of holes in it. Imagine how dumb that would be. And you know, like boom, or cracks or whatever, holes, and then you fill it up under the faucet. Yeah, it's going to be cool, right? And then you're taking drinks and, and there's, just, there's just nothing, nothing spiritually beneficial. God says that's what his people frequently do. 
You know, what we need to do is we need to draw from these wells of salvation. Jeremiah 17, 13 talks about that. In, in Jeremiah 18, 14, he talks about the qualification is through revelation. You know, it's not just the Holy Spirit without the Word of God. Um, look at Jeremiah 18, 14 real quick. Jeremiah 18, verse 14, it says, uh, Will a man leave the snow water of Lebanon, which comes from the rock of the field? Will the cold flowing waters be forsaken for strange waters? See, the strange waters is the, the sometimes when people get weird. They're like, oh, it's the Holy Spirit. You know, and next thing you know, they're barking like a dog or they're on the ground and they're like, I can't get up, you know, and why would God do that? You know, oh, I just couldn't control myself. And yet the Bible says that when you have the Holy Spirit, that the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets, that there's always the ability to control yourself. But when it's the Holy Spirit, it is water and it is this snow water, beautiful waters, clean refreshing, wonderful, but it's not strange waters. And the, reason, the way that we balance everything out is by, by the Word, right? We're sensitive to the Holy Spirit who lives within us, but we're also rooted in the Word, and we test all things. And then what happens is when you're sensitive to the Spirit of God and you know the Word of God, then you will become a healthy child of God, you see? And then in Revelation 22, verse 17, I want to read that scripture to you guys. It says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears, come. Say, Come. And let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. And so I just want you guys to know that that's there. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about a promise. Maybe you're in Babylon and it was, it's a bad situation. Maybe you feel like you're abandoned all alone. You're never alone because now the Holy Spirit lives in you. And, and we're talking about provision. And it's interesting. We're looking at all the symbols of the Holy Spirit, you know, whether it be the dove or the fire or the oil or the other ones that you've got to study out are so beautiful. All those are without. Even the wind, they're without. But the water's within. And, and it's just the beginning. We're going to see later when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit that God just wants to blow your minds. And so what ends up happening? How does it make a difference? Well, let's close with a few quick scriptures. Over in 1 Corinthians 3. I'll be honest with you, and I'm just going to tell you like a quick side note. Part of the way that you draw from the wells of salvation, part of the way that you dwell from the water within, the Holy Spirit, is when you read your Bible, you just get down on your knees. It's cool to study the Bible on your knees. A lot of times we want to go on our computer, oh, blue letter Bible, we want to get our books and books and books and books. And it's like the Holy Spirit's like, hey, I want to talk to you. I live within you. I wrote that book. 
Let me talk to you. A lot of times we don't want it. Oh, I don't know what to do. Do, 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 do. Let me tell, call, call Henry real quick. Okay. All right, Henry, what am I supposed to do? And the Holy Spirit's like, let me talk to you. I'm not saying you can't have counsel. We need godly counsel. But hopefully the godly counsel gives us the word of God. If they don't give you the word of God, run somewhere else. Well, this is what I did last time, brother. Well, this is how it works, you know, in this situation. No, give me the word. Right? The Holy Spirit, he wants to speak to us. You know, and I believe that he always is. It's just a lot of times we're not sensitive to him. And as he's there and, and as we're listening, and I'll tell you what, when I read my Bible, I read through, I make sure I have my devotional time because I, I don't know how people can live without it. I don't know how a person would have the audacity to wake up in the morning, turn on the television, whatever, get their cup of coffee, take a shower, and go out into the world without having spent time with God. I can't, I can't even begin to fathom that thought. I can't. When I, when I wake up in the morning and I get my, my Bible and my prayer time, I am just, I'm just, Lord, speak to me. You know, and then, and then, boom, he teaches me things. And then, boom, scriptures come out. Oh, Lord, I need that one, huh? Yeah, you need that one, knucklehead, you know. And he, has, he says other things are a little bit more intense, if you know what I'm saying. And it's the Holy Spirit. We have to give him a chance to speak to us. And he'll just, it's so cool, the way that he shows us through, and I don't want to get weird. Again, we're rooted in the Bible, but signs, little signs, little things, all day long. The Holy Spirit, because he lives inside of us. He's not an it, he's a person. And so he gets personal with us. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 16, Paul says, Do you not know? Um, it literally means, duh. No, I'm just joking. It, it kind of does that. Duh. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? He's talking to the congregation there in Corinth. If you go over to 1 Corinthians 6, in verse 19, he says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? And then later, if you jump over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 16, Let's see here. In verse 16, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Real quick, I don't want to go over more than 20 minutes. Um, I'm just joking. Real quick, um, what does it mean? 1 Corinthians 6.19, ownership, ownership. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? 
See, so God lives inside of you, and that proves that He owns you. Right? It's not just imminent domain. It's more than that, you know? He died for you. He purchased you, Acts 20, 28 says, with His own blood. And so when you know that the Holy Spirit lives in, within you, then, then you're, you're not your own. That means you don't do your own thing. You can't. You can't think your own thoughts. You are forbidden to say your own words and to make your own decisions for your own convenience that you don't have that right. You're not your own. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Man, what a blessing it would be if we came to live that truth out. But how many times, you guys, let's get real, how many times here you say things that you shouldn't say because you can't tame your tongue and you think you're okay and God says, no, you're not supposed to do that. I, I own you. I live in you. He doesn't live in us physically. He lives in us spiritually though, but he does live in our body. He doesn't live in your like literal capillaries or heart or bones or intestines or whatever, but there's something amazing about how he lives in us spiritually. Right? There's another interesting passage in Galatians chapter 4. Don't worry, I'm almost done. I, I see some of you guys sweating, man. Galatians 4, look at verse 6. And because you are the sons of God, that are our, our sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son, where? Into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So what does it mean that the Holy Spirit lives in me? Number one, ownership. Number two, relationship. You know that now that the Holy Spirit lives within you, we have a relationship with the Father. And to me it's interesting, just as a quick side note. So the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, and the Holy Spirit doesn't say, okay, now you know, you, you just start talking to the Holy Spirit. Right? No, he, he, he lives inside of me, and what does He tell me to say? Father. Now, I'm not saying you can't pray to the Holy Spirit. You can, but we don't really see that a lot in the Bible. I'm not saying you can't pray to Jesus. You can. We don't, however, really see that a whole lot in the Bible. But you want to know what you do see in the Bible? The model prayer, our Father. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and what does He tell us to say? Daddy. It's beautiful, this relationship that we have by the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Why does He live within us? Later on, I'm going to give you guys just a couple of scriptures to write down. 2 Timothy 1.14 He lives inside of us that we might do our part in the church. For Timothy, it was the Holy Spirit living inside of him so that he would keep the gospel. So whatever your part is, I don't know what your part is. Maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're a pastor, maybe you're a missionary, maybe you're, you know, we're all, it's just so beautiful like we were talking about, the different parts of the body. Whatever your part is, by the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you can actually fulfill that part of your body. And what we see is that God works in a mighty way. And so... Just uh, an encouragement to you guys. Um, my prayer is that you would know what God has done. I mean, that you would be blessed with what God has done. 
how he has given you the Holy Spirit to live within you, that you may draw from these wells, that you don't have to look over there, that you can look to him, and he will do a great work of making you like Jesus and, and helping you as you yield to him to fulfill your part in the body of Christ. And I'll close with this thought. Um, you know, this is just the beginning, by the way. I mean, when you think then that later on when, you know, God commanded Moses to speak to the rock, so that they could have water, how that's a picture of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit and under the influence and like spiritually, in a good sense, drunk with the Holy Spirit. I mean, are you experiencing that? I pray that, that you would. But when I think of the Holy Spirit living within me, there's a, a, a Ephesians 1, it says he's an earnest, you know, he's a down payment. Um... How many of you here, just out of curiosity, you put a down payment on a car and then it got repoed, just out of curiosity? No, you won't raise your hand. <laughs> you know, most of you guys here are probably good at your credit, but not everybody is out there, huh? There's a lot of low scores out there. Well, the Holy Spirit, in one sense, is kind of like a down payment. God kind of put the down payment on you and just says, hey, I'm going to follow up, right? I was talking to someone the other day and they told me that they, that, that I guess a guy proposed to her, you know, will you marry me? But the thing is, is that he didn't have a ring. So it's like, okay, will you marry me? She's all, where's the ring? I thought, when, when she told me that, I said, you know what, that's a great question. Because you want to know why the, the guy gets the ring? Because it means he means business. The Holy Spirit is like the ring. The beautiful, wonderful, incomparable, extravagant ring that God means business in our life. That's the down payment. That's the Holy Spirit living within us. I pray you guys would be encouraged by that. I pray that as we go through this series on the Holy Spirit, that He will do a beautiful wonderful work in us individually and as a congregation. Lord, I thank you so much that you love us so much that you would mean business like that, Lord. And Father, I pray for your beautiful people here today that you would bless them, encourage them, strengthen them, Lord. As I don't understand these things. I don't understand in fullness what they mean but Lord I, I, I'm beginning to scratch the surface and even that is mind boggling Lord I just pray that you would bless your people and that Lord you would save and sanctify and do a great and mighty work Lord, we love you we pray these things in Jesus name We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.